David, Darren, here come the top five things. Yeah. Dig. Here we go, another edition of the top five things. Another episode, another installment, another volume. Thanks for downloading and subscribing and listening to the top five things. These are just some of the things we got done on our morning show, Planet 93.9. It's brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois, Tech Drive in Milan and West Main Street in Galesburg. Nature's Treatment offers a wide selection of products for recreational use, including flower, vapes, and edibles. The recreational waiting lists are available. You can reserve your time. Go to the website. That is ntillinois.com. Here we go. Number one. Number one. 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 Number one. Oh, you hate to see this. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey, he's going to get you too. Another one bites the dust. Joe Ruby is dead. Joe Ruby. Joe Ruby, the co-creator of Scooby-Doo, passed away at the age of 87. Ruby Spears, those cartoons didn't mean anything to you when you were a kid? Ruby Spears? Yeah, that was a production company. They were kind of like an offshoot of Hanna-Barbera. I remember, because I would pay attention to the credits. I remember a Joe Rudy. He played outfield for the A's. This is Joe Ruby, not Joe Joe Rudy. Yeah. Not Jack Ruby. No. No. Not Joe Rudy, not Jack Ruby. You're saying who passed away? Joe Ruby. Joe Ruby. Co-creator of Scooby-Doo, dead at the age of 87. We're told it's uh, it's natural causes. That's not so bad when you, uh, when you co- are a co-creator of Scooby-Doo, right? And Scratchy-Doo? That's not a thing. Who's the little one? <laughs> Was it? It wasn't Scratchy Do. It's not Scratchy Do. No. Who's his little cohort that shows up later on? Wait, is it Scratchy Do? It's not Godzuki. That's not the name of the little. Is it Scratchy? That's not his name. Is that? Is that really? There was Scooby Doo. Yes, we know Scooby Doo. And Shaggy and. We've established. No, no. We've established. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for chiming in on the text line. Scrappy do. Scrappy do. <laughs> You're thinking of Scratchy Rangoon. No, I'm not thinking of Scratchy Rangoon. Scratchy do. Hey, Scooby, are we going to solve a crime today? He's no Godzuki. I'll say that. I, well, okay, but you know what? Godzuki is something that I believe, and I'm not joking about this, I believe that's something that Mr. Spears had a hand in. Am I wrong about that? Makes sense. Was 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 Godzuki a Ruby Spears production or a Hanna Barbera production? Ruby Spears productions were huge in the seventies and eighties. Uh, they would have been behind things like uh, they they started out as sound editors. Ruby and Spears were sound editors for Hanna Barbera, so like they would write things like Space Ghost and the Herculoids, and then they developed Scooby Doo. Where are you? Right. Mm-hmm. And they then left Hanna-Barbera and started their own thing, uh, giving us such cartoons as Thundar the Barbarian, Plastic Man, Fang Face, Rubik the Amazing Cube, (laughs) Goldie Gold and Action Jack. That was a big one. Yeah, Thundar the Barbarian's pretty, pretty great. But the co-creator of Scooby-Doo 
passing away at the age of 87 from, again, we're told, natural uh, causes. And someone, someone else who passed away. And my apologies. Yeah. I could have sworn that this gentleman had passed away, if not once, at least twice already. I, I thought Lute Olson was dead, too. Lute Olson, yeah. former Iowa and Arizona basketball coach, mm-hmm. has passed away at 85. I would have almost been certain that he had already died. Why is that? He took the Hawkeyes to the Final Four in 1980, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember watching that game in the semifinals. It looked like they they had quite a chance. Who'd they lose to? Louisville, who ended up uh, winning it all. You know who else is dead? West Mathewson, dead at the age of 68. Uh, This is a South African man who has been killed by two lionesses after he opened the padlock to take them for their morning walk. Now, when you have lionesses as pets that you take for a walk, you have to expect at some point they're going to kill you well, and, and, and try and eat you. The, the rule of thumb is once a wild out animal, mm-hmm. always a wild animal. Mauled to death by the two adult white lions that he'd kept since they were cubs. His wife stepped in to try and save her husband from the two 400-pound lionesses. But uh, you're not getting in the way of 800 pounds of lion when it's hungry. Sorry. Matheson's daughter-in-law saying it's unclear why the lions killed him. But said they had tried not to eat him. They suggested this death could have been the result of rough play. What does that mean? They tried not to eat him. We don't want to do this to you, Wes, but... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying not to, Wes, but... You're so delicious. So, wait, are they saying that they did eat him? Tried not to eat him. So you're talking about like... How do you know that the lions tried to not eat Like him? a cat that has a mouth, a mouse in its mouth mm-hmm. to show you? The, the look, look what we caught. The daughter-in-law is saying here, we will only know why he died when we have the results of the autopsy. I would argue we know why he died. Yes. He had lionesses that he took for walks. Uh, she says, we have to realize, Wes was not as young as he thought he was. We're still not sure what exactly happened, but there was very rough play. Uh, worth pointing out that this pair of lions had previously already killed another man. In 2017, they both broke out of their enclosure by climbing up a tree and jumping over a fence and attacking a worker and his friend on a neighboring property. At the time, this Matthewson, who again has just been killed by these two lions, stressed that they were friendly and not aggressive, and that he took them for walks for three to four hours every day. Three to four hour walks? Well, you know, nothing a lion likes more than going out for a walk. Matthewson family runs a safari company named Lion Tree Top Lodge. The lions have both been tranquilized and temporarily moved to a shelter for endangered animals. I guess they're going to be now released into the wild. Because that seems like a good idea. Well, they're in good practice. (laughs) Well, they've been raised since they were cubs by this guy. They still have their chops. (laughs) Yeah, they sure do. They will be let loose in the wild. 
they are not. Uh, Mrs. Ferguson, the widow, mm-hmm. says she does not want these lions back on the property. They've already killed That's a dude. That's a good decision. <laughs> I, I won't have him back here. I'll let me tell you that. A sound decision by you. Fool me once. Shame on me. Chew me once. <laughs> Three. 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 So my son is in middle school now, yes. and uh, he and the wife did something of a makeover of his room in the uh, summertime to make it more of a middle schooler's room. There's a, a little desk in there where he can sit and do his homework, and they needed to get a lamp. So Fair can... faucet poster. We're not quite there yet. It's still Pokemon. But <laughs> okay. as we were putting the Pokemon posters up, I thought, boy, it won't be long. <laughs> it's not long. It won't be long. I was about your age when I got my first uh, Kim Smith uh, poster. Well, she you was, were you were you were you were trying to stay in shape. I was very <laughs> very important to me. So I, important. I've got to remind myself to do <laughs> to work out every day. <laughs> she she works out, and uh-huh. well, I do too. But we're working different muscles. The point is this: uh, we get the desk all all ready and. I ordered a lamp. Mm-hmm. The lamp shows up, just a regular lamp. little dinky desk lamp, right? Yeah. Uh, we get that thing set up yesterday. Uh, I turn it on, and within seconds of turning it on, the boy grabs the lamp, shines it in my face, and says, All right, tell me what you know. <laughs> it's almost like when you see a lamp like that, there's something where you just automatically feel like it's interrogation there's time. There's going to be an interrogation. Right. Which, I found this story, and this is a hundred years ago, all right? But I, I don't know that I'd ever heard of this. Have you ever heard of inventor Helene Adelaide Shelby? No. This is back in the 1920s. Helene Adelaide Shelby invented a skeleton that would scare people into confessing to crimes. 1920s. Crimes they didn't commit? No, well, maybe. Helene Adelaide Shelby of Oakland, California. This is the idea. When you're doing an investigation and you're doing an interrogation, Mm -hmm. what if someone besides the detective was in the room for those interrogations? What if you had the detective asking questions and doing the interrogation and also a giant skeleton with glowing red eyes and a camera hidden in its skull? U.S. Patent 1749090, the apparatus for obtaining criminal confessions and photographically recording them. This patent was filed by Shelby in August of 1927. The idea was... There would be no retracted confessions. Because, well, first and foremost, you could confess to something in the 20s and then say, I never said that. Mm -hmm. So that part makes sense. It says here in the patent, it is a well-known fact that criminal practices, in criminal practices, the confessions obtained initially from those suspected of crimes through ordinary channels are almost invariably later retracted. Her invention, which she describes here as a new and useful apparatus, is designed to produce a state of mind calculated to cause a criminal, if guilty, to make a confession and then record that confession. First, the suspect would be confined in a small dark chamber. 
The examiner, who's in charge of getting information from the suspect, would sit in a second attached chamber and ask his questions through a megaphone. Mm-hmm. Now, the suspect can't see the human questioner. Instead, as soon as the examiner flicks a button, a curtain lifts within the chamber, and the unlucky interrogee is faced with a figure in the form of a skeleton. So it's illuminated by a plurality of electric lights. You've got this giant skeleton all lit up, and in the 1920s, to see a light bulb inside a skeleton must have been terrifying, right? So that's sitting in the chamber with... With the guy that's getting interrogated. The skeleton's eye sockets had red light bulbs. For the purpose, it says here, of importing an unnatural ghastly glow. And the megaphone is positioned in such a manner that the voice of the operator appears to be coming out of the mouth of the skeleton. (laughs) So you're getting interrogated by the skeleton. The dead, yeah. By the dead. Yes, says the illusionary effects of supernatural character will work upon the suspect's imagination. Convinced that he's speaking to a true ghost skeleton, the bandit in the chamber will spontaneously confess his most secret crimes. We understand that you might not have been completely honest with us. The suspect is spilling his guts to the skeleton, which is then recording the suspect with a film camera that's installed in the skull. Not too shabby. If you try to retract your testimony, Your Honor, I'd like to call in the, the electric skeleton. <laughs> who, can, who can play for everyone here? <laughs> the tape, or the film, I guess, of the confession. That's genius. Anyway, uh, you know, a, a coerced confession is not admissible in court. You're not going to be able to use something a ghost skeleton got out of somebody. Going through a lot of film. <laughs> how, how, how big a skull did that thing have? Well, it was it was a larger-than-life skull, I'm guessing, right? The skeleton was not a real skeleton. It was all kind of fashioned to look like a skeleton. But yeah, this... this. I mean, I would have to imagine that the film camera had to be of decent size back then. Right. Yeah, that's true, because they didn't have, like... No. You couldn't record it with your phone. No. That would be a big apparatus. Assuming we lived a hundred years ago, I'm wondering if I would fall for this. Do you think, oh, oh, well, I didn't realize the cops had magical skeletons that interrogated. Wouldn't you think that would be something you would hear about before it happened? Rumor has it. You know, if you get arrested, what what happens? They stick you in a dark room. A a glowing skeleton will ask you a bunch of questions. You, well, I, if you lived a hundred years ago, I don't know that you would necessarily have fallen for it because how often have you been interrogated to this to this point? Well, no, I've never been interrogated. Well, there you go. Other than yesterday you, afternoon for a, for a joke, you know. But, uh, you would have to assume that if you were living a hundred years ago, that you wouldn't have been interrogated either. Mm, I don't know. A hundred years ago, I might have been up to some stuff. Uh huh. A uh, hundred years ago. The free for all, <laughs> right? I don't know what I'm like a hundred years ago. I don't know that I'm I'm the dude I am now. 
Champ, champ. I would assume that... Uh, well... Champ. Keep, uh, keep this in mind, Darren. If this was August 28th, uh, 1920, mm-hmm. uh, Prohibition's oh, going I on. Oh, I get it. I get it. So, I imagine I'd be doing some stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Number three. 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 There is a Dutch masterwork called Two Laughing Boys. It's a painting from a 17th century master, Dutch artist Franz Hals. This painting, Two Laughing Boys, is in a museum in the Netherlands. It is two boys laughing with a big mug of beer, right? Again, this is a, a One painting. mug? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Two Laughing Boys. It's, again, a, a masterwork. From the golden age of Dutch painters, I suppose. I don't know if this guy used Dutch boy paints. I have to assume. (laughs) When you're painting Dutch boys, that seems like the sort of thing that you would do. Two Laughing Boys, a again, a painting that's in a museum there in the Netherlands. It has been stolen. Mm. So this is like one of those... So keep your eye open. Yeah, one of those Pink Panther type crimes. Somebody stole this uh, this work of art taken during a burglary at the museum in the early hours of Wednesday. Here's a here's a look, Darren. This will well. This looks like it's like a, a teenage boy and a younger boy, and he's got on a big furry hat and he's cleaning out a beer stein. Looks like the little one's been drinking. It looks like they have been both been at it all day long. Yeah. Two boys laughing with a mug of beer. So this painting was stolen. It's from the 17th century. This is where I get confused, and I would like someone to explain things to me. This is not the first time this painting has been stolen. Really. It's the third time. Hmm. This is the third time someone has stolen this is it painting. The same person? The painting was previously stolen from the same museum back in 2011, also in 1988, being recovered six months and three years, respectively. So this museum has had this painting now stolen three different times. Is it the same security guard? I mean, at some point... Chester! Could we have some sort of review over, you know, locking the doors? What are we... Did I do that? Statement here. The Dutch police say that officers rushed to the museum. This town is 40 miles south of Amsterdam. The officers rushed to the museum after the alarm went off at 3.30 in the morning. But they failed to find any suspects. Statement says after the manager of the museum was able to provide access to the building, it turned out that the back door had been forced and the painting had been stolen. Two laughing boys. Police saying that they've started an extensive investigation involving forensic investigators and art theft experts. Checking cameras and talking to witnesses and local residents. This guy who painted this painting, Franz Halls, was a contemporary of Rembrandt. Sure he was. And Vermeer, during the Dutch Golden Age, a flowering of trade, colonialism, and art in the Netherlands. Have they questioned the the people that stole it before? <laughs> well, yeah, how did... 
how did this, how did you get it back the other two times? Right. Dutch art detective Arthur Brand, who's been called the Indiana Jones of the art world. (laughs) Who calls him that? Himself? Is that something he came up with? (laughs) You You know what I am. He tweets that he is on the hunt for this very important painting. Uh huh. You know, I've been dubbed the Indiana Jones of the art world. By who? Yeah, people. People you don't know. People, people that. <laughs> people in the know that you don't know have called me the Indiana Jones of the art world. So just let's leave it at that. Believe me, I'm Arthur Brand. Yes, the Arthur Brand, Dutch art detective. Dutch art. Art detective? That's got to be a sweet job. No kidding. Art detective? Just sit around all day with your just feet up on the desk? Just something to happen? Wait for some knucklehead to steal a painting a third time? You just check the phone every so often just to make sure it's still working? Doesn't seem like we've got a lot of calls. Sarah, have we got any calls? Not today, chief. Nice work. Uh, pretend like you're doing something. Whip, Chief. What's that about? Well, as you know, Sarah, I'm something of the Indiana Jones of the Dutch art world. I have, I have a fedora on coming uh, in the mail. Let me know if that shows up. You betcha. Oh, all these damn snakes! <laughs> Why did it have to be a 17th century painting of snakes? This painting is a officially designated piece of Dutch national heritage. And it was stolen, by the way, on the anniversary of the painter's death in the year 1666. In March, burglars stole a Vincent van Gogh painting called a Parsonage Garden at Noonan in Spring. That was at another Dutch museum that was closed for coronavirus measures. And it's worth pointing out that that painting was stolen on Van Gogh's 167th birthday. So you've got one painting being taken on a Dutch master's day of his death, another painting on his birthday. Mm. Is there is there a pattern there? Mm. What, what, what are the clues? Brand said in June he got two pictures of the Van Gogh as proof of life. You would think from that whoever they, these burglars are. You would think that. They would be on high alert mm-hmm. for those sort of things. Well, uh, anniversaries. <laughs> I mean, gives you something to do when you're the Dutch art detective. Uh-huh. I've got a spreadsheet. <laughs> Sarah, I've got another case. Get me my wooden shoes. <laughs> Fetch me my wooden shoes. And one of those ridiculous hats we all wear. (laughs) Signed, Dutch. Love, Dutch. Sarah, why does our food taste so bad? Oh, we cook it in a Dutch oven. Ugh, everything tastes like farts, Sarah. I'll give you a Dutch oven, Sarah. (laughs) Sarah, hold all my calls. Phone hasn't rang in years, Chief. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go fart underneath a blanket, as we are wont to do here. We just call it an oven. 
Sir, I'm going to take you out to, to lunch. Oh, that's great. But we'll each pay for our own meals. Ah, <laughs> oh, chief. That's right. This has been another episode of Arthur Brand, Brand. Dutch Art Detective. <laughs> four. 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 Man survives lightning strike wearing Crocs and underwear. Did it knock his clothes off? I'll let uh, Jordan Armstrong tell you more. This is from uh, British Columbia, this story. Whoa! On the evening of August 16th and the morning of the 17th, more than 1,600 lightning strikes hit southern B.C., and one hit Cal Meisner. Yeah, B.C. is British Columbia. Yes. And one hit Cal Meisner. Cal Meisner was out in his underpants watching the lightning strikes. And here's Cal. Mistaking it, it was just this massive concussive shock. Wearing only his underwear and Crocs shoes, the Bowen Island resident had gone outside just after midnight to close the windows on his truck. He had one foot on the running board, another on the ground, and his right hand on the ignition. When he got a shock, he'll never forget. Bam! It was just this unbelievably loud bang. I think the whole truck was energized. Came up my right leg, went out my left, basically blew my Croc shoe across the road. And then, yes, just laid me right out on the ground. He believes he was conscious for most of it. He recalls crawling to the house for help. His wife remembers finding him by the truck and helping him inside. What I do know is my legs weren't working properly, and I actually felt at the time like they were both broken. After half an hour, the feeling in Meisner's legs came back. Paramedics attended, but he did not go to hospital. A week and a half later, aside from a bruise, he says he feels great and lucky. So are you going to buy a lottery ticket then? Well, it's funny. That's one of the first things I did the following day was went online, bought my lotto tickets. And as for his Crocs... They will definitely be my lucky shoes. You know, they're not very flattering in terms of fashion statement, but I have a newfound appreciation for Crocs, for sure. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. So Crocs saved his life because they're like rubber shoes? Is that the idea here? You can take a lightning hit if you got Crocs on? Now, he sounds okay. Yeah. But if that sort of thing happened, if you took a lightning strike like that, wouldn't sure. you almost expect that all of a sudden you could speak like three or four different languages? <laughs> You've been given some sort of gift. <laughs> right. Yes. All of a sudden. Yeah, the prophecy yeah. will be fulfilled. That would be the first thing I would say if I got hit by lightning. Just going around. Isn't there a, there's a, a Christopher Walken movie where... He gets hit by lightning, and then he's got like some sort of supernatural gift. Isn't that like a Stephen mm. King book? Yeah, probably. Is it Dead Zone? Um, Am I remembering that correctly? It sounds. Is he hit by lightning, or what? What is it that happens to him? And then he's some sort of. Right. Yeah, there is Stephen de- King's The Dead Zone. Uh, Christopher Walken is a school teacher who awakens from a coma. To find that he has psychic powers. Uh, why did I think he got hit by a lightning? Maybe because Christopher Walken kind of has well, that look on his face in every movie like he just got hit by lightning. Was he put in a coma as a result of getting hit I by was, lightning? I was out in my uh, British Columbia when all, all of a sudden, Darren, I was hit by lightning. It was very shocking at the time. Now I think I'm going to go buy a lot of tickets. 
Uh, text on the Dave and Darren text line, which, by the way, is always open at 470-23-NACHO. Uh, Matthew points out that the movie I was thinking about was not Dead Zone. I was thinking of the movie Phenomenon, which was a John Travolta movie. That's Where he true. gets hit by lightning and has secret powers, right? But he doesn't. What? He doesn't have secret powers. And he... he that's not what happens. Did you, did you ever see that movie? Uh, I think I saw the first half. So he's not... He gets hit by lightning and has secret powers, so that's not what the well, movie's that about? Well, he thinks he gets hit by lightning. Oh. He's got a brain tumor instead? Yes. Well, that's a rip-off. So so this is one of those movies like The Wizard of Oz where it's like the whole thing was in the guy's brain. No, he still had these... He was still having these uh these extra talents but it was the result of the of the brain tumor oh the brain tumor gave him right superpowers yes so he wasn't hit by lightning just no, something the, the, the big flash was basically you know the brain tumor yeah oh oh that's so weird i thought i got hit by lightning but turns out i got a brain tumor that's the movie Yes. Mm. No, I don't need to see it. Well, How do they figure that out? Well, they they show it in the movie. <laughs> He's able to move things with his mind uh-huh. because of a brain tumor. Well, it's a movie. Well, that, that doesn't. That's not. Hmm. Would it made more sense if he got hit by lightning and he could do it? Yes. Yes. That's more believable. Well, yes, I think so. It didn't get the best reviews. And they did a, a remake of it. Uh, wait, a, a sequel remake. What? Yeah, called uh, Phenomenon 2. He dies in it. They still did a sequel. I had never heard of that. Was that John Travolta did a sequel? It was a sequel remake called Phenomenon 2. Uh, made for TV movie, apparently. <laughs> Doesn't make it. Was he in a plastic bubble? Uh, nah, the, uh, the brain tumor killed me, but it also brought me back to life. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This brain tumor's got me moving things with my mind. <laughs> my Travolta sounds a lot like Schwarzenegger now. It, it, yeah, really. but, but it's because of the word tumor. You can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Once you have a character say the word yes. tumor, it yes. comes out as Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes. It's so weird. I got a tumor. Right. I can't, I can't fix it. You can't escape it. No. What are you going to do? Five. 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 Number five. This isn't great. Crashing into a cop car because you're watching a movie while you're driving. Mm, what movie? I knew that was going to be your first question. I don't know what the movie was. You know I like gadgets. I'm a fan of technology. Sure. I don't understand this idea of these Tesla cars with autopilot. Uh, that's what happened in North Carolina. A doctor from Raleigh, North Carolina, smashed into a parked patrol car of the Nash County Sheriff's Office deputy and a state highway patrol trooper along the side of U.S. Highway 64. Devender Goli was watching a movie on his cell phone while his Tesla was in autopilot mode. 
when he slammed into the deputy's car, which in turn smashed into the trooper's vehicle. Now, listen, a lot of uh, troopers and policemen have have died as a result of careless driving, getting smashed into on the side of the road. Sure. This dummy's watching a movie. They were standing outside their cars at the time. Uh, this is just after midnight near Spring Hope, North Carolina, which I have to assume is just down the road a spell from Mount Pilot. The Nash County Sheriff Keith Stone says, luckily the state trooper pushed our deputy out of the way when he heard the tires squeal. It could have been horrific. Tesla's website says that autopilot enables your car to steer, accelerate, and brake automatically within its lane. But the technology still requires active driver supervision. Right, paying attention. It does not make the vehicle autonomous. But I can understand how someone would be confused when you call the the thing autopilot and you're saying it steers, accelerates, and brakes automatically. As long as you're in the lane, you're fine. I could see how someone would think, well, it's it's a modern age. I'm George Jetson. I'll just let this thing fly itself. There's always the story... Of the RV driver who, who thinks, I, I have to imagine this is an urban tale. No, that's a real story. The story of the, She sued Winnebago for a fortune. Thinking that cruise control mm-hmm. was automatic pilot. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing back here? I got it on automatic pilot. Yeah. No, that, that was a real story. That was an RV. They were on their way to a, a football game. What are you doing down? What are you, what are you doing back here? Playing cards with us. Hey, Who's driving? Aren't you supposed to be driving this thing? <laughs> I took care of it. That now that was a number of years ago. Yes, a long, long time. That ago. That was a well, two thousand and five. Merv Grzinski of Oklahoma City bought a brand new Winnebago motorhome. While driving it on the freeway, he set the cruise control at seventy and went in the back of the Winnebago <laughs> to make some coffee. Not surprisingly, the RV left the freeway, crashed, and overturned. This guy sued Winnebago for not advising him in the owner's manual that you couldn't actually do this. And the jury awarded him $1.75 million and a new motorhome. And a new coffee pot. Oh, now it says, now I'm being told that that this is uh, an urban legend. Yeah. That this didn't really happen. Well, because I think no. that story was around long before 2005. Really? Yeah. The old. Oh, so this didn't really happen? Cruise control automatic pilot RV story. They were on their way to an Oklahoma football game. I oh. remember that part of the detail. You're telling me Merv Grzynski isn't a real person? I remember this story from way before 2005. Really? Yeah. Oh, now this, so this isn't real? It's a Yumbo. Ah. So that's just a, a, a one of those stories that goes around that's not real. Mm-hmm. Well, this is real, this Tesla story. And we're lucky no one got killed. If you were a police officer, you wouldn't ask what was the movie? I'm telling you that it's not a detail that we have. I'm sure the cop asked. Yeah. It's not in the Just report. Just out of curiosity. It's not in the report. Just out of curiosity, they'd ask. There's no, what movie was so well, important it, that you exactly. almost killed two cops What movie was it? so important? Yeah. Yeah. 
That I would love to have that detail. If I had it, I promise you that would have been the first thing I would have told you. Because it could be. Mm, that is a good one. Mannequin 2? That is, that's what you're watching? Mm, that is engrossing. I can't imagine ever feeling comfortable enough to let a car drive me around. No. Ever. Ever. 40 years from now, I don't think I would get in a car that drives itself. It's just terrifying to me. I don't use cruise control because I don't like not having control over exactly how fast the car is going. Mm-hmm. Never, I tried to use c- cruise control once. I was terrified. Like, wait, so the car just sets it? At the, I'm just going to do 72 miles an hour the entire time? No, I don't like that. You got to stay on point. Well, I, I do because I just think that leads to you. If you're not in in charge of things, mm-hmm. I think that leads to problems. But this idea of autopilot, maybe, first of all, maybe don't call it autopilot. Because dumb people, this guy's a doctor, probably smart at some things, dumb at others. And the idea of, it's the drive home, I need a movie to kind of relax me. I need to watch a film. I don't get it. I like to fall asleep to the TV. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like... Oh boy! Uh, turn the office on. This is the. I like to put Fraser on. His voice just lulls me to sleep. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Dave and Darren's Top Five Things. Thanks for keeping in touch with us on all of these socials. That would be your, your Twitter and your Facebook. We're not really on Instagram. We probably should be, but uh, just enough's enough with all this social media nonsense. Are you with me on that, Darren? And uh, we're on TikTok. And no, we're... we're not. That's not a thing. No. And we're on. No. MySpace. That's what we were, but I don't think we are anymore. Oh, goodness. No, the podcast was brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. You can sign up for the newsletter and connect with Nature's Treatment there on Twitter and Instagram. They are at uh, Tech Drive in Milan, West Main Street in Galesburg. Milan is open every day. Galesburg is open weekdays and Saturdays. The Milan store offers medicinal and recreational. Galesburg is recreational only. Till we get a chance to do this for you again, everyone, hang loose, kooks. You stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities, represent. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davin Ford, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. Bye, have a great time.